Arrange your ideas in sequence. Almost all subjects can be developed by using a logical sequence based on time, space, or special topics. In the time sequence, for instance, you might consider your subject under the three categories of past, present, and future. Or you might begin at a certain date and move backward or forward from that date. All process talks, for example, should begin at the raw material stage and move through the various manufacturing steps that produce the finished product. How much detail you bring in will, of course, be governed by the time you have. In the space sequence, you arrange your ideas according to some central point and go outward from there, or you cover the material directionally, north, south, east, and west. If you were to describe the city of Washington, D.C., you, you might take your listeners to the top of the Capitol building and indicate the points of interest in each direction. If you are describing a jet engine or an automobile, for example, you might best discuss it by breaking it down into its component parts. Some subjects have a built-in sequence. If you set out to explain the structure of the United States government, you will do well to follow this inherent organizational pattern and discuss it according to the legislative, executive, and judicial branches. Enumerate your points as you make them. One of the simplest ways to keep a talk's ship shape in the minds of your listeners is to mention plainly as you go along that you are taking up first one point and then another. My first point is this. You can be as blunt as that. When you've discussed the point, you can say frankly that you are going to the second one. You can keep on that way to the end. Dr. Ralph J. Bunch when Assistant Secretary General of the United Nations began an important talk sponsored by the City Club of Rochester, New York, in this straightforward manner. I have chosen to speak tonight on the topic, the challenge of human relations, for two reasons, he said. He went on at once to add, in the first place, he continued soon, in the second place, Throughout the talk, he was careful to make clear to his audience that he was leading it, point by point, to his conclusion. We must never lose faith in man's potential power for good. The same method was given an effective twist when the economist Paul H. Douglas spoke to a congressional joint committee struggling with means to stimulate business when it once was lagging in this country. He spoke both as a tax expert and as senator from Illinois. My theme, he began, is this. The quickest and most effective way to act is by means of a tax cut for lower and middle income groups, that is, those groups which tend to spend almost all their income. Specifically, he went on, further, he continued, in addition, he continued, there are three principal reasons, first, second, third. In summation, what we need is an immediate tax cut for low- and middle-income groups in order to increase demand and purchasing power.
Compare the strange with the familiar. Sometimes you will find yourself foundering in a vain attempt to explain your meaning. It's something quite clear to you, but requiring involved explanation if your hearers are to be clear about it too. What to do? Compare it with something your hearers do understand. Say one thing is like the other, the strange like the familiar. Suppose you are discussing one of chemistry's contributions to industry, a catalyst. It is a substance that causes changes to occur in other substances without changing itself. That's fairly simple, but isn't this better? It is like a little boy in a schoolyard, tripping, punching, upsetting, poking all the other children there, and never being touched by a blow from anyone else. Some missionaries once had to face this problem of putting strange statements into familiar terms when they translated the Bible into the dialect of a tribe living in equatorial Africa. Should they translate literally? They realized that if they did, the words at times would be meaningless to the natives. They came, for example, to the lines, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Should they translate this literally? The natives didn't know snow from jungle moss, but they had often climbed coconut trees and had shaken down nuts for lunch. The missionaries likened the unknown to the unknown. They changed the lines to read, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as the meat of a coconut. Under the circumstances, it would be hard to improve on that, wouldn't it?